0: faith saved by faith walk by faith live by faith trust by faith have faith increase your faith be a person of faith use your faith you just need faith we who call ourselves Christians or believers we cherish this thing called faith don't we it's very special we who are a part of the church. We are people of faith. And as we continue our study in the book of Hebrews, we come to a passage of scripture that begins at the end of chapter 10, goes through the entire chapter number 11 and into chapter 12 that deals with faith. It's all about faith the next handful of weeks we are going to look at what the bible says about faith over and over again we're going to remind ourselves constantly what this thing is what it does how it's important how it changes us what we need to do with it we're going to challenge be challenged regularly that we need to increase our faith grow our faith use our faith cherish and cling to our faith we are going to build now upon this great foundation that the uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews has been laying forever, it seems like, that Jesus is better. He has been harping on that and harping on that and harping on that. And now that we have that, we get it that Jesus is better. He says, take your faith and live. Take your faith and make a difference for Jesus Christ. So Hebrews chapter 10 And what we're going to look at today is beginning in verse number 32 to the end of chapter 10. But remember the former days when, after being enlightened, you endured great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through the reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers of those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. Again, I want to remind you of the context of this letter of Hebrews. Saved Jews and unsaved Jews. Those who were not sure about leaving the old system. Those who were not sure about embracing Jesus. Those who were not not sure that Jesus was indeed better. There were these new believers. And these new believers who did believe that Jesus was better, these believers were not embraced by family They were not welcomed by friends They were not accepted by society as a whole and Certainly they were not welcomed by any stretch of the imagination by the religious leaders of their community These people who decided that Jesus Christ was better who were reading this letter right now were people that understood suffering They were people that understood persecution. They were people that understood abuse simply because they stood up and said, yes, we believe that Jesus is better, that that system is the old system, and that we want to follow Jesus Christ as our Savior. We want to be baptized. We want to be obedient. We want to live our lives differently. Those people who were followers of Jesus faced hardships, and persecutions that came fast and furiously. They faced persecutions and difficulties every single day, not just once at the beginning of their confession, not just every now and again, but they faced persecution on a regular basis. Those people that were followers of Jesus in this day, when this thing was written, when they read this letter, when this author wrote these words, followers of Jesus, they had a hard go. They faced rejection, and they faced abuse, and they faced attacks and shunnings. It was a hard life for anyone who stood up and said, yes, I believe in Jesus. It was a hard life for anybody who said, I believe that Jesus is better, and that system is old, and it's done, and we're moving on. It was a hard life. It was a difficult life for anyone who was a follower of the way, as the book of Acts calls Christianity. As we begin to look at this, it says in verse 32, but remember the former days when after being enlightened you endured a great conflict of sufferings. Clearly, the writer of Hebrews knew these people. Clearly, he had a relationship with them. Clearly, he had some insight into what their life was like and what was going on in very specific ways. Because he said, I want you to remember the past days. I want you to remember what went on in your life back then, right after you were saved, right after you had the enlightenment process come into your life, right after you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, right after you made the declaration that Jesus is better and that He is my Savior. I want you to remember, Remember those days he says and what he said was I want to encourage you to reflect upon the fact that you were strong that you had courage I want to remind you of the courage that you displayed during that day. I want to remind you of the courage you had in the past. I want to remind you of what went on when you first faced some difficulties and some hardships. I want to, he said, I want to remind you that you did do it. You did stand strong. And so I want to tell you that because you did, you can. You can. That's what you need to know this about what we're reading right now is a practical application of chapter 10 verse 24 that we looked at last week it said let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds a couple weeks ago we looked at that verse let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds that's exactly what this author is doing that's what he's doing he said remember the former days Remember after you were first saved. You endured great conflict of sufferings. Remember you endured them. You were strong. The New Living Translation says, Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible sufferings. Listen, folks, we need to understand that the early Christians... The Christians of New Testament times, what we call the Christians of of the New Testament days, those people, those Christians, those people that knew Jesus Christ as their Savior, those people that followed Him were people who suffered for no other reason than they believed in Jesus. Look at what it says in verse 33. Partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. It says in verse 34, For you showed sympathy to the prisoners, and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Can you imagine? Can you imagine such a thing? What does the Bible say about this? Let's look at a couple of verses. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. Jesus says, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. He didn't say maybe when this happens. He didn't say possibly there might be a day, be aware of it. He says, blessed are you when this happens, when people insult you. When they persecute you, when they falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Chapter 10, verse 17. We'll start at verse 16. Jesus said, Behold, I send you out a sheep in the midst of wolves. That can't be a good place for a sheep to be, can it? Behold, I send you out a sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves, but beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse number 18. Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. You used to be a part of them, and now you're not a part of them. I took you out of that. You're different now. But because of that, the world hates you. Chapter 17, verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. In this chapter, Jesus is praying to the Father, and He says, he says Father, I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. In this passage, he wasn't saying it's maybe something like this is going to happen. What he was saying was because they're in the world and because they have the word and I've taken them out of the world spiritually, they're hated. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. First John 3.13, John says this, Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. Don't be surprised. Understand that they're not going to appreciate who you are and the stands that you take. The entire book of 1 Peter is written to a group of people that were fleeing because they were persecuted. The entire book. Read 1 Peter over and over again. The entire book is written to those people that were fleeing, who were running away because they were being persecuted and they were being abused and they were being treated in horrible ways simply because they loved Jesus Christ. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says in verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Indeed, all who live to desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul said this in reflecting upon the the grace of God at work in his life as he dealt with what we call the thorn in his flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. Therefore I am content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with, persec- with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And finally, flip on over to John chapter 16. John 16, verse 33. Jesus said this. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. You will have tribulation. You will have difficulties, but take courage. I have overcome the world, he said. Can you imagine... Remember the former days when after your enlightenment you endured great conflicts of sufferings. You were made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations. You became, you were sharing with those who were treated in such ways. You showed sympathy to the prisoners. You accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Can you imagine? One of the things that we need to come to grips with is this. The norm around the world from the day That Jesus Christ left from the day the Holy Spirit started filling people and the church began, the norm around the world has not been freedom of religion. We have no idea how great it is to live in the United States of America. No idea. The norm around the world from that day to this day, the norm around the world has been this I'll tell you what to believe, and I'll tell you what to worship. And if you don't, if you step outside of those norms, if you throw it in my face that you're worshiping something else, if you declare that I'm wrong in what I'm worshiping and what I believe and you say, I don't want to believe that, then I will beat you. I will abuse you. I will rob you. I will throw you into jail. I will take away your job and your status in this society. So who are you going to worship today? That's the norm around the world. And that's been the norm around the world since Jesus Christ left and the Holy Spirit started filling people and the church began. We have no idea how lovely and wonderful it is to be citizens of the United States of America and live in a place where we declare freedom of religion. Where we say, I'm going to carry my Bible to church and I'm going to let you know I'm carrying my Bible to church and I'm going to let you know that I'm going to church and I'm going to do a Bible study in this place and that place and I'm going to declare my love for Jesus Christ and nobody jumps up and down and has a fit about it. They don't beat us. They don't haul us away. They don't throw us into jail. They don't do a lot of those things. They do around the world. They do around the world. Can you imagine what these people faced? And then I want to say, well, maybe some of you can. Maybe some of you can. It's very possible that Some of you have an incredibly difficult go because maybe you have an unbelieving spouse. Doesn't appreciate the fact that you read your Bible. Makes life incredibly difficult for you because you want to follow Jesus Christ in one way or another. Maybe some of you work in an incredibly hateful work environment. Terrible place where people can't stand the idea of Jesus Christ or God or a standard or holiness or righteousness or truth. Maybe you have a mean anti-Christian neighbor whose goal is to just irritate you until finally you blow it, something fierce, and maybe even move away. Maybe you have relatives, people that you love and have known your whole life that mock you and ridicule you and tell you that the stand you take concerning truth and a standard that is still a standard is just childish and foolish and for brain dead people only and you hear about it regularly maybe you can imagine a little bit maybe you can for those that are not facing some of those circumstances and some of those things I want to say this and you know that I do not see demons behind every bush you know that about me but I do want to say this that if we think that just because we live in the United States of America, we are going to avoid any kind of persecution and any kind of ridicule about Jesus Christ before he returns. We're kidding ourselves. We know what's coming down the road. We're not there yet, but we can see what's coming down the road before Jesus Christ returns, probably. The Bible teaches that those who follow and obey and love and take a stand for and declare that God is right and that truth is truth today and tomorrow and beyond will be ridiculed and persecuted and suffer. That's what it declares. Why? Well, because of what Jesus said. In the Gospels, this world's not our home. This isn't where we belong. This is just a temporary place. The Bible says that this is, this is the world of Satan, that sin came into the world and Satan took over and, and he started controlling the world. And Jesus started saving people throughout the world in different places and pockets. And there were groups of people saved all around the world in different places. And Satan started saying, wait a sec, this is my world. You don't belong here. This is not your home anymore. You've belonged to Jesus Christ and I'm going to make life horrible for you because you're messing up my world. You need to understand that that's the story. That's the issue. Why are people persecuted around the world? Why is it that you suffer today in any way, shape, or form for your Christianity? It is because this is not your home. This is the domain of Satan. Tis. And you're a foreigner. And you're trespassing. And the owner of the property doesn't like it. And God says, you hang in there. I'm going to take you home one day and we'll fix this mess. But for right now, that's the world that you live in. Because Satan, Satan, the one who the Bible says is the ruler of this world, he hates God and he hates God's ways and he hates those who follow or believe in or obey or act like the one he hates. And he has plenty of help in doing it. But in the midst of this persecution, whether it's minor or whether it's huge, whether it's here in the U.S. or if it's somewhere around the world, in the midst of this persecution, the writer of Hebrews says, remember what it was like when you first believed Remember when you first believed and you told people that you loved Jesus and they made fun of you or they mocked you or they rolled their eyes or they treated you the way they tra- do? You remember that? And do you remember that when you first told people, when you first believed, you stood strong and you said, "Well, that's what I believe." And he says, "You did it then; you can do it now." That's what he's saying. You were strong then because you believed it and it had changed you and you were just excited about the change and you wanted to tell other people, I love Jesus and I want to follow Jesus and I'm going to carry my Bible and I'm going to witness and I'm going to do all sorts of neat things. Remember when you did that? And you did it, didn't you? And the writer of Hebrews says, you can do it now you can do it now in the power of the holy spirit you can do it now you can do it you can do it he talks about in this in verse 33 he talks about the fact that you've been made public spectacles to reproaches and tribulations and partly by becoming shares with those who are so treated in other words because you helped out those people that were treated poorly you were then treated poorly You showed sympathy to the prisoners. You accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Can you believe that that word is in that text? You accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. You're not welcomed here. You're not wanted here. I'm going to take things away from you because you follow Jesus. In the time that we've been privileged enough to spend in Nepal, we have been around some people that have suffered persecution. And you know the word that Cynthia and I would use to describe those people that we've met in Nepal? Joyful at loving Jesus in a world that hates them, something fierce. It's a sight to behold, and it puts you to shame. It truly does, because they just love Jesus, and they're just going to stand, and they're going to do it. I told you this story when we came back from Nepal and it just absolutely blew me away that the church that we were one of the churches that I preached in and the church that we preached in we went into a church and it was in the middle of a Buddhist community. I mean the middle of a Buddhist community. There was just a very small community, and there it was. The, this building that they're renting is just, there's houses with Buddhists all around it. There were the little uh, stupas everywhere on the hills around the side. Now, when I preached, and when we went to church, we got to go in the building, go up the stairs, and go up a few more stairs, and sit in the third floor attic, and that's where church was. That's where we was. That's where I stood up and preached the Word of God, okay? Inside a building with no windows in basically an attic, Okay? Not real hard to do, right? Not hard, trust me. It wasn't hard at all. Before I preached... We as a church all went down. We took a long walk through this Buddhist community, down the hill and around the path. And we went to the place where the night before the pastor and Ben and a few other guys had dug out and made this baptism. And there these people are, seven of them that day, seven or eight people, stripping down and ready to get baptized in this, in this community, surrounded by these people that can't stand Jesus Christ and the fact that, that they're standing for something else. And they're getting baptized and they're just standing up for God in a remarkable way in the middle of broad daylight, getting baptized in the river as the, the, the false gods and worships are everywhere around that place. It was a sight to behold. And I told you this, I think, and I want to tell you again. And they had to sign a piece of paper and they had to put their thumbprint on a piece of paper that said, I got baptized of my own free will. Nobody made me do this. I love Jesus, and I want everybody to know I love Jesus. Amazing. The writer of Hebrews says they accepted joyfully the seizure of their property. And the end of verse 34 says, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Now that's going to be a theme that we're going to see throughout chapter 11 and 12. there's something better around the corner. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And the troubles and the difficulties I have for a while are small indeed compared to what I'm going to get in glory one day with Jesus Christ. That's going to be the theme that we're going to see over and over and over and over again. Do you know what changes... Do you know what needs to happen for a person to be able to do what the, the, that we read in verses 34, 33 and 34? Do you know what needs to happen in order for people to do what we saw in Nepal, for what many of you have seen around the world, for what we read about, for people that endure prison sentences and suffer immensely and come out and say, I still love Jesus and I'm still going to preach and teach. Do you know what needs to happen for that to take place? They believe with all of their heart. That there's a better and lasting possession somewhere else. That there is more than what we see to this world. That's how they do it. They grab hold of their faith and they hold on to it. These are amazing words in verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence... Which has great reward. How in the world do I do that? Tell me, how do I do that? How do I get there? How do I live there? You go back to verse 34 and understand that he's talking about this thing called hope. We have hope, we can stand and we can endure because we have God's promise. That there's something better. Do not throw away your confidence, the writer says. He was dealing with a group of people that were struggling with being persecuted, that were struggling with declaring that Jesus is better and I'm going to follow him, and they were suffering because of it. And he says, Don't throw away your confidence. Hold on to that. Remember how you stood when you first believed, and hold on to that confidence and stand firm and say, I love Jesus and I'm going to take the consequence because I have hope, because I believe in what God has said about something greater than what we are seeing right now in this life. Notice what it says in the next couple of verses here as we just kind of move along. It says in verse 36, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what was promised. Verse 36, for yet in a little while he who is coming will come and will not delay. But in the meantime, notice what the writer does. He says in verse 37, quoting from the Old Testament, yet in a little while he who is coming will come and he won't delay. But in the meantime, he says, my righteous ones, my People, my children, who are waiting for him to come, they are going to live by faith. And they're going to live by faith in such a way that they're not going to shrink back. They're going to stand and live by faith. Why? Because they have hope. Because they have hope. They have hope. They believe that life is better and different than just this. If you're putting all of your eggs in this basket, in this life, you will never stand for anything. Ever. If you're putting all of your eggs in this basket, then you will manipulate the system, you will cheat the system, you will abuse the system, you'll do everything you can to make sure that your basket is adequate. But if you're living with hope, Based upon the words and the promises of the Lord God Almighty, then you'll rest in Him and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. The problem, by and large, with us as believers today, and the reason why it irks us so much to stand for anything, is because we have so much to lose. We look around and say, "Look at what I got, man! I got a lot. I don't want anybody taking it away from me. I like my life." I like my freedoms. I like all of these things. Because we're putting our eggs in the wrong basket over and over again. Over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. And we need to come to grips with that in our life, folks. We need to come to grips with that. With, with that. And it boils down to, and we're going to expand this next couple of weeks, it comes down to faith. This thing called faith. This thing called Faith. I can remember one time and a handful of years ago when Cynthia and I were debating and discussing and we were talking about whether we should do this or do this, do this, do, going back and forth. She had decided a long time ago, we ought to do this, and I was going back and forth. And she said, you know what, you've got, to, you've got to make a decision. You've got to decide whether you're going to trust in God or you're going to trust in the system. Well, I had no choice. We had to go this way, didn't we? Because <laughs> she was right. I was going to trust in God. I need to trust in God. That's what we need to decide over and over again in our lives. What are we going to trust in? Who are we going to trust in? Are we going to have that confidence and live in that hope or not? It says in verse 39 then after he goes into all of that and he says trust that he's coming, have this great hope, endure. In verse 36 we have need of endurance for, so that so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. And then in verse 39, it says, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. We are not like those who walk away. We are not like those who shrink back. We are those who have faith The writer says, and because we have faith, we endure, and we persevere because we know who God is, and we know what He has done, and we know what He will do. There it is, right there. We do not walk away, we do not shrink back. We who have faith endure, we persevere knowing who God is, what God has done, and what God will do. We have faith, and we hold on to that faith dearly. We will expand upon this over the next handful of weeks. Faith. It means simply this, it is complete trust or confidence in someone or something complete trust or confidence in someone or something it is a strong belief in god or in the doctrines of god it's what you believe that's faith i have a strong belief in god i have a strong belief in what god has said that's faith i have a complete trust i have an overwhelming confidence in god and in what god has said that's faith Faith is knowing what the Bible says and then following it. That's what the Bible says. Faith is knowing what the Bible says and then following it. Faith is talking to God and knowing that he hears. Faith is living with confidence that I am saved and I can't lose my salvation no matter what and that I belong to him and he will take me to heaven one day. Faith is knowing that I am God's and nothing will change that. Faith is knowing that the Holy Spirit believes in me and I am not alone and I have the comforter and I have a helper and I have a guide and I have a friend. Faith is what you and I are all about. Faith is our life. Faith is really about God, it's about who He is and what He's done and what He says who he is, what he's done, and what he says. And then as we'll see, beginning in chapter 11, it is all about what am I going to do about who he is and what he's done and what he says. It's faith. The Bible acknowledges that life is hard. It's it's in this passage. The Bible comes right out and says, "Life is hard." I I understand that life is hard. God said, "I know that life is hard." Jesus said, "I know that life's going to be hard." I know that it's going to be difficult for you. The writer of Hebrews says, "I know that you're facing some real persecution and some tribulations right now." I get it, but I've seen that you can stand up. I saw you stand, and I know you can do it again. I've seen that you've lived your life with endurance. I've seen that you have confidence that you're hanging on to hope. I've seen that you believe that there is a better and brighter day. I've seen that you have hung in there and hung in there and hung in there and that your eyes have never, never, never had more influence over your heart than your faith. I've seen it. You can do it. The Bible says life is full of difficulties. But then the Bible says you have faith. And you can endure this life. You can stand firm again because you have faith. We endure and we persevere knowing who God is and what God has done and what God has said and what God will do. Who He is what he's done, and what he says. Faith. We crack the door a little bit. Next week, we'll open it up a little bit more. Well, in two weeks, we'll open it up a little bit more. And then we'll open it up wide, and we'll walk through it, and we'll begin going down this path called faith. And we'll learn from our Old Testament heroes about how to live by faith and what we should do and how we should act and how to hold on to that hope that we have. But in the meantime, what do we need to do when we leave this place? Well, I think it is simply this. Remember the former days. Remember when after being saved, how you stood and how you held on to Him. You didn't have enough knowledge about God to fill a page. You didn't understand the doctrine of God. You didn't understand the ins and outs of God. You didn't get it at all. But you knew that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. You knew that he was buried, that he rose again. You knew that if you confessed your sins, he would save you, and the Holy Spirit would live in you, and you were his forevermore, and you stood on that truth, and you went forward. Well, since that day... We've been filled with all sorts of things experiences, different kinds of teachings, different philosophies. We've grown in a whole bunch of areas of life. And sometimes then our stand wavers a little bit. Go back and remember what it was like, he says, and stand firm in faith. With hope, not based upon you, has nothing to do with us, based upon God. I stand strong, you stand strong, not because we're strong, but because the one we have faith in is strong. We believe in Him. We hold on to Him. And we have faith in His promises. And they will see us through. They will see us through. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul for the glory of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so very much for this passage. I thank you that Christianity and the Bible is brutally honest. It's laid out for us about the heartaches and the difficulties and The trials and the running away and the shrinking back and the staying strong, all of it's laid out. And Lord, we don't need to be ashamed about what we feel or what we go through, but we ought to take the words that you've given us and be inspired by them and live and be motivated by them for the glory of Jesus Christ. And I pray that that's exactly what would happen this morning. Father, we are men and women, teenagers, boys and girls of faith. We cherish our faith. Yet we recognize that sometimes our faith, in the midst of the difficulties and all of the issues of this life and this society, it it wavers. Father, I pray that you would do a great work in our life today, that we would remember what it was like when we first believed and we stood in spite of, we just stood. We just loved you and we stood for you. Father, may that happen today. May we stand. May we be firm. May we be resolute for the glory of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit by our faith that is grounded and steadfast in you. Father, as we go into the world full of difficulties and troubles now, as we leave this place and again fulfill our obligations and responsibilities as we face difficulties, possibly persecutions, trials, and sufferings. Father, may we live by faith and stand strong. Indeed, I pray that we would, as you instructed, as you prayed, that we would go out as sheep in the midst of wolves, but be wise and tender and understanding, loving and kind and strong for the glory of God.